Breaker. Breaker. Welcome to Last Drinks. I'm Will Hitchens. This is Mitchell Ford. Uh, today's guest is Quinn Norrie, everybody. Hello. Quinn is a content creator known as Quinn Flip on TikTok. Um, we've met him in our extended workout group, Familyhood, on the weekend. He's always there shredding it up, losing a lot of layers as well in the gym is another one of his traits. <laughs> Starting his workout with about how many layers do you start off in the gym? Look, I like to I like to stay warm when I work out. Um, generally, I've got four layers on top and uh, about five layers at bottom, like skins, pajama pants, shorts, speedos. You know, mm. keeping it all intact. Keeping it all intact. Is that something you did back in New Zealand, or is it just? Um, it's actually for injury prevention. Mm -hmm. um, I have had pretty serious injuries on my lower body so um i like to stay warm i've got uh displaced spine as well so if i stay hot and stay warm i find i can um, train more vigorously and avoid injuries mm -hmm. especially you know waking up at you know 4 a.m and getting out there it's a, it's a little bit nippy <laughs> yeah and um it's unfortunate uh, so quinn's unfortunately done his achilles what was it last last week yeah, I did my uh, Achilles tendon um, four days ago, uh, training flips at EMF Southport. It's actually the second time I have ruptured my Achilles tendon. So I did my right leg in 2018 and I did my left leg four days ago. So yeah, it's, it's a tough one. <sighs> such um, is life. Such is life. Yeah, and for anyone listening, um, I'd highly recommend going to Quinn's TikTok and watching some of his flip videos. He is seriously impressive. Um, you'll be surprised for a man of his, he's a solid build, but he just moves like an absolute acrobat. So <laughs> get around that for sure. Um, and yeah, wish you all the best in your recovery journey. You've done it once and no doubt you can get through it. Thank you. Again, even though it will be a struggle, we know, but we're here for you. So appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So I guess we'll start with, um, yeah, I mean, you've mentioned before that you've had a bit of a problematic relationship with alcohol at times and maybe a little bit within your family as well. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear about how, how your first experience with alcohol, what it was like and how you got into it. Just, I guess, to uh, offer a summary of my relationship with alcohol, I'd say it's kind of like a yo-yo, you know, um, thinking that I've, thinking that I'm a good yo-yo player, got it under control, um, mostly don't, um, but, yeah, you know, that brings me here today. Uh, my first experience of alcohol, um, I have three older brothers. Um, and I guess, you know, for them, I think maybe it was a bit of a gimmick for um, introducing me to alcohol at quite an early age. <laughs> I don't want to throw them under the bus, but um, I think I was like 12 years old, um, where I first of all discovered vodka jelly shots. Um, being the 12 year old boy I was, uh, anything sweet and tasty. Um, yeah, I just remember I probably had like four of these vodka jelly shots and I, I re recollect that I actually didn't even distinguish that there was any, uh, anything in that that wasn't um, alcohol. And um, one of my brothers, he discovered that I'd had four of these and just for a laugh, he's like, oh, ho, 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 have some of this. And um, 
remember it was this funny bottle. It's called, uh, I think, Captain Morgan's. It's got this, like, pirate on it. And um, I remember just having, like, like two swigs. I remember just wrenching my face. It was awful. It was straight from the bottle. And then, because um, obviously I had no idea what was going to happen next, I just recall when we had this sort of spiral stairwell, I recall falling down the steps and just looking up and my brother was just laughing. He just thought it was like a, a big joke at the time. And I, um, you know, being the youngest brother, my bro um, the youngest boy in our family, and my brother at the time was having a party where this all went down, I kind of just started laughing too, you know. I was just like, <laughs> you know, <c> cool. <laughs> yeah, that was probably the, well, that was the first experience that I had where I was um, under the influence of alcohol. I can relate to that. Like I had older brother, up and an older brother, and there was a few sort of my early experiences of drinking with sort of with his mates. And I guess if it was just a way of sort of to get the approval and fit in with them, and then it's just like, oh well, I'll start. You know, they'll give you drinks and they cheer you on, just like yeah, the young guys having drinks, and yeah, then it just goes pear shaped and just there was a lot of episodes of just hurling up. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. I think I was sixteen years old. At this stage, I'd had a few encounters with alcohol, and um, my brother gave me a four-pack of uh, Woodstocks, the Woodies, and um, I remember, I, I just think at the time, I thought I was meant to consume them as quick as possible, and um, we're, in his, we're in his bedroom, and I think I'd had like two 500ml cans, so about a litre, and it was like gurgling, and I remember I was just standing there, and I went to burp, but I actually projectile vomited um, all over the bed. And there was like me and then it was my brother and like four of his friends. So they were just like, what? We're, like it, it was like the exorcist. It was just black because, you know, Woodstock's so dark. It was like, and it just went directly onto the bed. And I just remember just embarrassed, but also shocked. Um, yeah. So, and, like back then, I think it was all just sort of, you know, fun and games. Like um, I, I recall, you know, I, I grew up in New Zealand. I was in New Zealand until I was 17 years old. But on, on, on those ages of 16 and 17, there was a there was a little bit of it was cool to be drinking. And because in my group of my circle of friends, we all had older brothers. So there was always one of our older brothers who would buy us some alcohol, you know, some piss for the party. And so... Like there was many occasions that I recall just like drinking until vomiting, but my friends at that time, at that age, it was just a hoot. It was just like, ha yeah. And, and, and like, it was nasty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've had that experience of growing up with an older brother and, and yeah, underage drinking from a young age. Mm. And because where were you, where did you grow up? So I grew up in um, Auckland, New Zealand. In Auckland, yeah. So um, I lived in Northcote, which is like a, a suburb. It's sort of like a suburban type of feel. I guess I could um, say that the streetscape was somewhat similar to the um, suburbs we have here on the Gold Coast in terms of, you know, like housing and transport and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, just on the fringe of the city. Yeah, okay. So you grew up in Auckland and... And so at what age did you start to build some distance from your brother and, and move into from school to, to what you ventured into next? So when I finished high school, uh, which was in 2007, uh, my parents said, 
hey, Quinn, um, we want to move to Australia. We prefer the subtropical climates. Um, you have an opportunity to move with us. At the time, I was actually um, doing a little bit of work on a TV show, um, a live TV show uh, called Studio Two. Oh, wow. It's the equivalent of what you guys have called Cheese TV. Mm. So I was uh, like a sub presenter on the Saturday morning shows. Um, I did drama and performing arts at school. So uh, my, my parents were like, hey, if you come over, maybe you could uh, chase your ambitions for acting and, and see what opportunities lie. So I made that move. And at the time, um, all of my brothers lived in New Zealand still. So moved away from, um, from that and started a new um, on the Gold Coast. And that was in 2008. Awesome. Okay, cool. And then when you moved here, how did it go with the with the acting and, and how did your relationship with alcohol progress from that you know, intense underage drinking period? Yep, well, um, first of all, I uh, unfortunately was a victim to a scam. I um, put all the money that I'd made from my TV show as about $3,500, which is a lot when you're 17 turning 18, you know, that's enough to buy your first car or, or whatnot. Um, joined this acting guild called MAGC, Models, Actors, Gold Coast, which would later um, be in um, like a, one of those TV shows where they like, was it like Nightline or they um, expose frauds. 55 people got scammed. It was just a front just to take our money. Um, so unfortunately that, was, that left a really sour taste in my mouth and my wallet, obviously at that age. Um, but subsequently at the same time, I was doing my last year of high school um, on the Gold Coast uh, at Marmee High. So the acting thing didn't work out. Um, something that I still would like to pursue, you know, in future. Um, um, yeah, so I was just in high school. So at that stage in high school, because I had to repeat my last year of high school because um, the Australian education system didn't understand my qualifications and I wanted to get into university. So here I was at Marmee High School. I was the third oldest person. So turning April in 2008, I turned 18. So if you can imagine, I was 18 years old, still in high school. Um, I had a license uh, to drive and I could legally buy alcohol, which um, definitely was something that I I guess I could say I, I, I fell back on, you know, um, people in, in high school like, oh, oh, you can you can buy alcohol, can't you? Oh, so there was that year I was the new guy. I wanted to fit in. So um, I did find myself becoming um, a bit of an alcohol mule um, for myself and for others, which I think really just started to um, play a bit further into uh, drinking and, and it normalizing it for myself then. I didn't really have an awareness as to um, what drinking every weekend would do at that time. So yeah, that's where I was at then. Um, really um, how that sort of evolved for me coming out of high school, I was drinking most weekends then, um, I found myself um, really, really starting to increase the alcohol consumption from the ages of, of 19 to 23. Uh, regretfully and embarrassingly, I can't really remember much, sort of just a blur, you know. Um, if I was to 
tell you about what I achieved during those four years, it would be zip zero. Um, I did start a university degree, which I managed to complete after that phase, but um, I found myself every weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday even, just getting absolutely just, there wasn't, there wasn't like a, I didn't have any control. It wasn't like a case of like, oh, I'll buy six beers. It was, I'm going to buy a carton of beers and I'm just going to keep drinking until there's no beers left. And if I was with someone, probably to my benefit because they would help me consume that. So um, that was uh, really, really a big waste of my time, I would say, in terms of serving my future self. I still to this day do not know how I would be drinking until 5 a.m. and then I would work the next day at 9 a.m. at the restaurant grilled. <laughs> I'd work a whole shift and these days um, I just can't even fathom that possibility. So call me a superhero. <laughs> a superpower is not a superhero. A superpower is just somehow bouncing back and I guess for me, the reason that I kept it up is because I didn't have any big health things happen at that time that um, caused me to cause alarm. Yes, yeah, so is it just like a habitual thing? Because I've had sort of where I just every weekend was just, oh, well, this is just what you do. You just work during the week or just whatever job I had at the time and then just get pissed on the weekend. And then it's like, oh, this is what everyone does. It's just, this is, this is normal. And I guess, I guess the people I was around, that's what everyone else was doing. So it was a bit like that or was it, you know, were you dealing, using it to mask sort of, I guess, stuff going on in your life? What was sort of the process there? Well, um, coming around the age of 22, 23 is where I met um, my, probably my first proper, got into my first proper relationship. Um, I, was, I won't name her, but um, she normalised the drinking for me. You know, I recall in my first date, she would, you know, in text, like, I'll come over with a couple of bottles of wine. And that, to me, caused me a lot of excitement. Um, but really looking at the long, like taking a step back and looking at the big picture, oh, that turned into a long-term relationship, but it really turned into us normalising the drinking, you know. Um, we ended up living together, and um, I, you know, it, it moved past the weekends. Weekends was, was like like what you're saying um, there, Will, like, who am I drinking with? It was just like, it was a, a given. Am I going out? Yep, I'm, I'm gonna get absolutely plastered, shit-faced. Um, but during the weekdays, I'd be, you know, drinking a six pack, maybe eight beers every every weekday. And because my girlfriend at the time, you know, she'd be drinking wines or she'd be drinking vodkas. It, to me, at that time, it seemed like okay. It wasn't until I turned 25 where I had a really, a big send, I guess you could call it. Uh, I was like a four day bender. It was just, you know, it wasn't just alcohol, it was other things too. And um, after that weekend, I went back to my, um, my, my restaurant job and uh, we had a fridge and then a deep freezer. And in the deep freezer, we'd keep our, our chips and our, our meat um, stuff in that deep freezer. And I remember it was after that weekend, I had to get a, a big box of chips out from the from the deep freezer. When I got into the deep freezer, just the change of the temperature, so it's like maybe like negative 20 or something. 
uh, I got in there and then it was sort of like uh, instantaneously this thing happened inside my body and it just caused me to drop to my knees and my vision went blurry and I'm in a I'm in a freezer and I was like whoa am I passing out I, I could die if this happens and I literally had to like bring forth this like just energy just to pull myself out of there and I was lying on the floor and in the fridge which was also cold and the floor of the fridge is very very cold but I got out of the negative 20 and I was like hyperventilating I was almost sweating because I had a like almost like a near-death experience and it was at then at that time that I I actually had the first scenario where I was like wow this lifestyle of mine is this could kill me wow yeah that must have been really intense to experience that um yeah being in that cold environment um yeah I suppose from there so you've so you've had that experience with your relationship, and I, I just to, um, I just want to know as well what what were you doing for work, and what was your fitness like, sort of up to that twenty five, up to your twenty five. Well, that, well, that's that's the thing. I was um, at that at that point. I was going to the gym a lot. I was practicing my flips. So what that means is like I was going to like a gymnastics facility twice a week and I was going to like trampoline facilities to practice my stuff and I was working out I was I was going really really intense to the workouts so from a visual side of things you know I considered myself fit and athletic I, I didn't have a aspect to what was actually happening inside my body um, and furthermore I wasn't having an aspect as to what um, I was programming myself for in my mind and um, because uh, still being in that relationship, which did start to take a turn for a worst after that point, um, being with someone who was okay with that lifestyle, with um, you know drinking alcohol or, or um, using substances um, somewhat frequently, um, it was really just, I would say that because I was still going to the gym, I thought that it was okay, that I had it, that I, that I was all good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a funny one. I think that happens a lot. Like I can relate to that playing football for for a lot of my oh, sort of t early twenties and late teens. And yeah, it's the same thing. You get pissed all the time, but because you're still playing footy, you're still looking kind of fit. It, it just slips through the cracks. And yeah, I think that's a real common common thing. And um, I think it's something that um, yeah can go quite unnoticed as long as your body looks you know, in shape, you can just let, you can absolutely punish yourself. <laughs> oh, ab absolutely. Just, you've, you've reminded me, I think that were the first time that the alcohol actually affected, affected me with the sports and my, my choice of sport being parkour, free running. Uh, we always used to practice just by the beach, just by Burley beach. There's a little grass platform. It's just by North Burley and it goes onto like a, off to a sand dune. And me and my friends would always go there. We'd get a bit of sun, you know, we'd hang out, get some lunch, but we'd also practice some flips off there. Recall this, we had a big night on the alcohol, really big night. I was definitely still drunk the next day, you know, like just still on it. And I went to do a, a, a flip off the edge of the sand dune and I came down so hard on my big toe, I, I fully dislocated my big, 
big toe and to Ooh. this day it still affects me wow um and i was unable to do flips for two weeks and that was purely just due to being still well under the influence the net the following day from having such a big night yeah yeah i found alcohol as well it really affects your recovery like i i played footy for a lot of years while still drinking and then i had a couple of seasons where i didn't drink and i found yeah the recovery difference is massive between um yeah between when you're drinking it seemed like you know like you finish a game of footy you start drinking piss straight away uh, and then you drink all night so it's like good 12 maybe 12 to 15 16 hour session depending on depending on if, if you won or lost um and then yeah so you got this extremely sore body you punish yourself with alcohol no no water no real food and yeah you just feel fucked for days yeah whereas yeah when I actually um yeah when i was sober and actually treated my body all right it was like a one-day recovery and i was good to go <laughs> funnily enough so i mean yeah who, who would have thought um it's trial and error yeah exactly so from 25 onwards, it sounds like you started to have a better understanding of your relationship with alcohol, maybe realizing it wasn't the best. Um, what did you, what were the steps that you took from there? Well, there was actually a big catalyst. Um, I wouldn't say that I fully learned my lesson. Uh, my lesson was soon learnt, uh, my first lesson, because as I said, my relationship with alcohol was a bit like a yo-yo. I keep, am i in control am i not in control um really something i'm still trying to um, work on uh you know because i do want to be better but in that relationship that i was in we actually broke up but we found each other again and when we got back together everything was going really good but it was still with the drinking and the acceptance of the substance and the alcohol and everything um it was my girlfriend's birthday and at her birthday and you know a birthday celebration in, in true fashion i just really sent it you know it's drinking quickly i was drinking spirits um i was mixing my drinks and we went to um, a bar in surface paradise i think it's called the stingray bar i'm not sure um and it was not even 9 p.m i got refused service at the um at the bar and um a guy sniggered and made a a joke about that which i proceeded to make into a bigger ordeal you know gave the guy a push and um ended up getting kicked out of the the venue on my girlfriend's birthday and um i remember because i was so intoxicated and this is something that i i regret to this day i just got a cab home and then i demanded that my girlfriend leave her own party to come see me you know and if she doesn't that she doesn't love me um that was yeah that would after that the the repercussions of that was the the downfall of that relationship and um you know i really really did uh love this girl at the time um and seeing that relationship just just I know that what I'd done was something that I couldn't take back and it was a, it was a milestone birthday for her. I believe it was the 21st. And um, it was never the same with that relationship. She then said that it would be best for her to move into her girlfriend's place and us to stay together. But the writing was on the wall. And um, 
at that time, which I failed to mention, I just got into real bad eating habits. Um, it was a very big downward spiral for me. I was drinking every day. I was eating Chinese food all the time. I had this ambition to get to 100 kilos, um, but not like a good set of 100 kilos, like quite, quite fat. I've got the pictures um, to show. And um, that was coming up to 2017. Uh, where that where that happened and yeah, that's where uh, my girlfriend said that she's no longer uh, sexually um, connected to me or attracted to me um, and Then that was like three weeks after she moved out into a into a girlfriend's place and at that time because I'd felt so I guess lost and numb to the world, you know drinking and doing whatever um, the when the day that she moved in I, I broke up with her uh, I, I broke up with her, I, all of her stuff was already moved out. I just think, you know, um, I really need to work on myself. And that was like coming back to your question, um, which is actually where I then made the, made the decision that I, I'm not gonna let alcohol run me, rule me. Um, and yeah, I went completely cold turkey. I went cold turkey on alcohol. Um, and I was cold turkey, not a single drop, not a single dip my finger in a cup for, I think it was like nine months. I went no, no alcohol. I lost a lot of weight. I lost so much weight. I got everything, everything sort of came back into place for me. Um, I found uh, a new girl in my life who, who didn't drink alcohol. It was really, really, really good. Um, and at that stage, because I'd been doing the parkour and the free running, um, a lot of people had said to me over the course of a few years of my life, they're like, hey man, um, I could see you on Ninja Warrior, the TV show. Like, and I was just like, Haha, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, like, I was like, you know what? I really wanna just get some purpose now. You know, I really wanna just come back and have some sort of uh, overarching goal and so, yeah, that was uh, my, my big change, my big um, help, which really did keep me off the alcohol for a fair amount of time. Um, problem that I uh, did then was I cashed all my chips into getting onto the show. I um, was so certain, you know, uh, when I say I went cold turkey, I went on the diet. I was waking up at, you know, silly hours of the morning and I, was, and I stopped weightlifting. I was only doing calisthenics training. I was only doing push-ups. I was only doing pull-ups. I got so sick of doing pull-ups and all that stuff. But in my mind, I was just like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. There's no way that I don't make it. Everyone says that I should be on the show. So, right, I'm going to be on the show. Then came the, the application, video application, got through. Then came the fitness test and um, brief conversation with the production team after the fitness test. Boom. Thought I nailed it. So here I am, you know, um, lean, mean, uh, clean. Um, and that's when I got the call two weeks later and, and it was the production team. They said, oh, hey, Quinn, uh, we're really, really um, grateful that you applied, but unfortunately your, your story wasn't enough. And um, my story was that I'd lost like 25 kilos in a short amount of time because I just dropped everything and went on this better health plan my before and after pictures were like pretty phenomenal. You know, big 100, 104 kilos, I think I was, down to, yes, yeah, like 79 kilos. Um, uh, and 
yeah, that's just when my life just stopped. Um, I, the, the only way that I could describe it, I hadn't prepared myself for that outcome. And as a result, I just, just went into my own shell. My girlfriend at the time didn't know what to do. And she actually um, did the worst thing that she could do. And she just told me that I, I shouldn't be feeling so negative around her because it's affecting her. And it caused me to then put that deeper, deeper, deeper inside of myself. And I was just living each day. I felt I had really, really dark thoughts. The alcohol came back into my life very shortly afterwards. I was drinking um, the high strength premixed Woodstocks like every day. Um, and um, then I spoke out to a few of my friends and they told me that what my girlfriend at the time was doing was wrong, not letting me express my pain. And that relationship ended because I just, I basically imploded and with the alcohol, I wasn't, I wasn't myself. I, I, I didn't know who I was. And um, that's when I would say that I had what I would call an identity crisis because I didn't have the ninja warrior thing, which I thought that I had. Um, my relationship ended. I felt very alone, and that's when I'm. That's when I first uh, seeked help. I called up my best friend in New Zealand, and I said, "Hey, I'm, I'm having these really negative thoughts, man. I, I need a, I, I need to not have these negative thoughts. Like I'm. I, I don't know if I'm going to live another year. You know, if I keep this up. And um. Yeah, so, I did the I did the right thing. And I, um, I re resigned from my position, but I had to stay for an extra two months to finish off what I was doing there. I sold all my belongings and um, uh, like I had a nice couch, nice TV, nice TV set, you know, all the things when you, the real life Sims, the washing machines, the fridges, whatever, sold all of that. And I moved back to New Zealand um, and I moved in with my, with my best friend and I just worked on his property. And during that time, um, I wasn't on the alcohol um, I, because I had a few drinks while I was over there, but um, my best friend, he had no, no feelings around alcohol. He had had, you know, bottles of spirits that he got gifted years and years back, which, like, I don't know if you, you talk to any alcoholic, um, don't think they have, a, a, like, an alcohol collection, mm. you know? And, and that, to me, was really, like, that was a reminder that what I was doing with the alcohol consumption wasn't right. It wasn't normal. Um, you know, it's supposed to be something for enjoyment. It's not supposed to be a coping mechanism day in, day out. So that was really good. Um, definitely can say that having that ongoing support through this identity crisis that I was facing helped me find myself again. It actually helped me teach myself new ways to cope uh, through breathing, through um getting myself into a meditation um, through, you know, song and stuff like that. And um, really just asking myself the question, like, who am I? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's really hectic what you went through, particularly with your, with your partner and at a birthday party. And I think that's what alcohol does. It really doesn't allow us to be our best selves. Like I haven't talked about it much, but I've made so many mistakes with women along a similar line to what you're talking about. And that's you know, stuff you just never do sober. It's just something, you know, it's behavior that you would never 
wouldn't dream about. But but yeah, under the influence, we can just become very selfish and um, yeah, we, we lose all of our values. So um, what you've gone through, yeah, it sucked, but it's the alcohol, man, you know, and, and um, yeah, I mean, thanks for sharing that as well. You know, it seems like you've gone through, I didn't know that a lot of that about you and, you know, you've, you've gone through a lot. Um, and so you've moved back to Auckland. So, so you've had that ordeal with Ninja Warrior, um, a couple of relationships. What was your experience like when you were back in Auckland? So um, being back in Auckland was really nice because, yeah, I, I, I guess I'd call it rehab, honestly, because like I'd come from this just purely coping on, on alcohol uh, feeling numb, not having really clarity, but thinking that what I was doing was okay, but it got me to getting to Auckland. And when I was in Auckland, just being around people who just drinking wasn't their thing. So I, I, I'm not going to lie and say that I, I didn't bring it up or suggest, Oh, you know, let's get a carton of beers. But you know, um, it was like, my my friend, you know, because he 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 at the time he knew I have problems with alcohol, but he didn't know the extent. And he was just like, "Yeah, man, sure, but like I'm just only going to have a couple, man. Like, do you want to get a carton of beers? Really, just asking those questions, um, to my benefit because it was really like um, snapping me back into why I was in Auckland in the first place. Um, so I spent nine weeks there. Actually, I was, um, my friends have got a tattoo parlor out in, um, on, uh, by the Waitakere Ranges. So I was doing a lot of gardening work there, a lot of manual labor. And I tell you what, that was exactly what I needed. Digging holes and just, just in here, just really just asking myself what I was about, who I, who I am, and really reflecting on um, you know, these negative things, the relationships that I just burnt. Um, uh, friendships that are just burnt, uh, mistakes that I'd made, like purely from alcohol. And um, yeah, so uh, after I'd really just found myself again, I decided uh, to buy a ticket to Thailand. One way ticket, no luggage. I always wanted to do it, just go there with the, a backpack and the shirt that I was wearing, literally like no change of clothes. I'm just like, whatever you know I, I had a bit of money behind me mind you i'd like you know six thousand dollars so you know it's all right in thailand to get to sustain you my plan was just to to um you know be there for as long as i could um unfortunately 10 days into that trip is where i ruptured my Achilles tendon the oh, first time shit. um i don't recommend hurting yourself internationally it really sucks um, when it happened, I had to crawl a kilometre on just like clay and dirty ground to get back to my room because I was in a, I was in a third world country. You know, I, I had a horrific injury. I didn't know to the extent. I thought I'd broken my leg. Um, and yeah, when I, when I went through that whole ordeal and I came back to the Gold Coast, moved back in with my mum and dad who looked after me and got the surgery. And about two weeks after the surgery is when I found the alcohol again, because um, I had a lot of downtime. And I remember my approach at first was different. I, I thought, you know what? And this is, this is where I think alcohol gets me and maybe a lot of people. 
is at the time I was writing poetry, I actually wrote 14 songs and um, I thought, hmm, maybe if I drink alcohol, I can find some new inspiration. Mm, I can find, yeah. um, find something, something new. Now, at the time I was taking um, endone medication, so I don't know if uh, anyone or the viewers know that you don't mean to mix uh, that kind of substance of alcohol, it has quite a huge impact on you. Um, and I remember, yeah, just this feeling of warmth and confusion just coming over me. And um, I was just, I recall at the time, I, I called up my auntie who accused me of something. And I remember just, just verbally abusing my my auntie and at the time I think what I was actually doing is I was projecting my my depression and my my injury and my feeling of hopelessness onto others and really alcohol was what catapulted me into normalizing that and I remember the next day just thinking that nah it's all good I'd had a few drinks that's fine and um, strangely enough despite that experience not even sounding that good I felt comfort in the warmth of that the alcohol provided me. And um, unfortunately, I didn't learn my lesson and um, the alcohol consuming just began ag again in conjunction with painkillers, uh, which really just, it stopped my ability to make poems. It stopped my ability to forward think. Um, and when I look back at it now, I just think that it was, I, I thought that it was a coping mechanism that was normal. Yeah, so I mean, there's plenty of sort of, I mean, I mean, I certainly like even going with the relationship stuff and sort of like, I mean, I had relationship breakdowns as well caused by alcohol. And then subsequently after it broke down, I used it to sort of cope with that, the, the feelings that I didn't want to deal with. And then sort of your environment, sort of being with people where, they're drinking, being with people who don't and sort of the differences there. And then even just sort of talking about creativity, that was that was also stuff I would say, which is like, I'm more creative when I'm drinking. And I'd sort of think, I mean, I'd be pissed and sort of come up with like, if I'm making jokes and stuff that I used to do and think, oh, this is great, but I'd be blind out of my mind and then hear it the next day and just be like, oh, this is rubbish. This is pretty sad. <laughs> this is just like, what the hell is this? Um, and then, yeah, like sort of talking about numbing out. Um, and I think just, yeah, there's stuff that you're not sort of, yeah, in sort of how you're sort of projecting sort of, I guess, your feelings. And I think I had a friend sort of say the other day that like you can sort of have your feelings at the surface and then alcohol can just bring that up and out, um, projecting onto, yeah, others, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, especially with endone as well. What a, what a combo. That's a beauty. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, and just to touch on what you what you just mentioned uh, there, Will, there is a lot of TikTok draft projects on my phone. Oh no! That are just so so cringe. Oh no! No, like <laughs> and like without with lack of better words, I'm fuck faced. I am just <laughs> and it it's not even good like mm. and at the time i'm like thinking that i'm like the funniest thing and this is the mm. best idea 
and it's it's funny coming back to the the the, me, the yo-yo metaphors i just think i'm in control or think that this is a great idea i think this is helping with the creative process but it's really just making me feel like crap the next day and really just not the impression i want to have on my friends family or people who don't know me mm. i don't want to be known as a a drunkard mm. yeah absolutely yeah i mean i think what's the takeaway from this is having drafts and so you you know i'll save it for later maybe it'll be maybe i'll check it i didn't have that it was just nah let's put it out <laughs> straight away this is great and then sort of just that oh, this is awful and just i guess for me like what i realize what i kind of when i've because i've got archives of stuff that i used to create a lot of it's terrible and i think for the most part people i think while i'm watching it i'm like i'm watching a train wreck this must be what people if people were watching it they're just well let, at least my bad like i'm not like this guy who's just completely out of his mind um so that was and then some of the stuff yeah like i post on my social media from time to time it's just like when i'm sort of big bloated and fat and just yeah if i get yeah yeah well um you know that's how we learn don't we will making mistakes like that yeah and <laughs> even sort of back to you know i think what is a takeaway when you had the goal with Ninja Warrior and that seemed to sort of be sort of a good sort of, all right, well, I've got a goal now to get on sort of this TV show. And a lot of what you were sort of just, you got into sort of, you got into sort of working out and, and losing all, because you've done that again this year. Like, I mean, when, when we've, when we met, you were, yeah, you, I mean, I was impressed. It's just like, like you're a hundred kilos and you're doing all these flips and stuff. And then when we see him on the, oh, we got him on Instagram and then every morning yep, he's in the gym at EMF and he's just slogging it out. And then just the weight just consistently like every week was coming off. And I mean, it was really impressive to watch. And um, I guess, I guess Mike, I guess with that, cause what, what sort of how you've gone with, um, I guess if it's like a goal shift where you just, if you were doing that for yourself, as opposed for like, the before where it was like it was for an external thing like ninja warrior is that sort of the difference with the weight loss this year um well really the catalyst with the weight loss this year was um coming out of a relationship that um wasn't working um you know we wanted we wanted different things and we had different values and really it was a shift from um focusing on the that relationship and then focusing on myself like as a as a priority because you know um, when I'm in a relationship with someone you know I want to make it work um, and really the big change for me was identifying that it wasn't working and shifting to well I need to get myself into check um, and that could help um, spoiler alert it didn't mm. the relationship ended but um, yeah <laughs> Well, certainly what, yeah, like if it's another relationship breakdown, which we've gone over where that could be a potential sort of trigger to then go back to sort of, oh, well, I, I need to go back and have some drinks to deal with what I'm coping with. It sounds like you took a different alternative and went into sort of, yeah, like the health kick instead, which I think is probably far better sort of um, choice and sort of, yeah, like you're saying, sort of, okay, that broke down. Let's go back and sort of, sort of focus on myself, improving and self development and all that sort of thing. Um, it sounds like a, a much better alternative. Um, and I guess now, sort of sitting here today, what's sort of your relationship with alcohol like today? As we've sort of 
we've gone through to the, as you, you've described the yo-yo it's sort of gone up and down a bit um what's it like for you today um i wish i could say that i had it in control uh, i you know i'm here i'm being completely honest with you guys and and the audience um my relationship with alcohol is i need to have very clear boundaries that i need to set to myself um just as a matter of interest you know i i still consume alcohol i know it's not good for me i'm working on i would i wish that i didn't have those cravings i i think that alcohol is so readily available in so many different areas i have an invitation tonight my friends who want to get me out of um this cripple situation like oh come to this tavern with us right and i want to go i want to go to that there but i know i'm going to be in that environment um so really for me um and i'm not just saying this because uh, it's you guys but um you guys have been a huge inspiration um meeting you guys in march this year um my alcohol use has gone down heaps because i recall a conversation um i was just like you know um oh what are you guys doing what are you guys doing uh, this weekend and i actually didn't know about your sobriety i actually didn't at that time and i was like oh i'm gonna you know go to go to the bar and, and i think it was uh you mitch you said oh come on man you know there's much better things you could do on the weekend it was a really gentle and nice way that you put it it wasn't like you're a bad person which i really respect because as i said once again alcohol is just within our society it's you know there's it's it's interesting you know you just take a look into the history of alcohol like dating right 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 back and there's some a lot of nasty stuff i'd really like you guys to entertain that topic in another uh podcast i'm sure that a lot of people aren't aware of the history of alcohol and what the government did with alcohol and the plebs but um having you guys just just as that like friendly voice of like there's better things to do um cutting back to your question um, I'm currently facing this injury. It has been um, really difficult for me to stomach. Um, I know that there are going to be some instances where I may be in a position where I will have alcohol, but how it's really changed is just having people in my inner circle who are working on themselves and, and just demonstrating the other side of the coin it's like hey man like you know we know alcohol is around and you can have that but you know um we're not drinking alcohol and we're still got functioning friendships we're still going out there we're still social socialites and people and um i think now i'm really trying to get myself uh into the position where i can go to a tavern and i can say no yep i'm not there yet and that's okay. It takes it takes time. It actually takes practice. I think it's it's a thing that you we, we talked about this in an episode recently about yeah practicing sobriety and it, it yeah you really get better with time and and yeah if you ever need any um, any support you know you've got Will and I who are happy to chat with you any time or hang out um, so yeah don't don't worry about that in terms of inner circle you know you've, you've got people around you that will definitely support you through this and it's good that you're aware that. Yeah, you've just had a pretty serious incident and yeah, you're aware that you could be quite likely to um, to drink again and it's probably 
the fact that you're aware of it is a, is a big thing and it's just keeping on top of it. And if you, if you think you're drinking too much, you know, definitely speak up, I think. That'd be my advice. Yeah, and it's just, I guess, what we sort of hone in, we've honed in a couple of times is, sort of, I guess, your environment and who you hang around with is, is so important because, yeah, if you're hanging around, if, if everyone's drinking, yeah, it's gonna, you're going to be more compelled to probably partake and participate as opposed to if there's people who are just like, nah, we don't need to drink or, you know, or some people, I mean, that's that's sort of been beneficial for me. And then, yeah, like practicing sobriety, I mean, I practice drinking every day as well. Like I got really good at it. So maybe I need to practice doing this too. Um, and yeah, it's good because yeah, this would be sort of a bit of a, yeah, having this injury. So, and you've, you've done this sort of thing before and been sort of, oh, well, it could be a bit of a vulnerable state. And so when we saw, I guess, that you were going through a tough time, we wanted to sort of, yeah, just sort of reach out and just, yeah, sort of, I guess, sort of, I guess one thing that you like doing is creating content. So then that's where we are here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just really like a utilization of everything that I've learned. And I think that probably the, the best thing for me and what I could put out there for anyone who's maybe struggling like me, like on the yo-yo of drinking and not drinking is I, I definitely find just being around people who, who, who aren't big on it. You know, when I was in a relationship with this girl who just didn't drink, I had no desire to drink. When I was in a relationship with someone who liked drinking, then we drank, even though deep down I knew that it had a negative impact. So I feel like um, I wish I had the um, personal strength to just say no. It's definitely the addictive side, um, just being around people who are saying no and, you, and using that as uh, a way to gain momentum for um, moving on moving forward with a health decision you know that has an, an, an addictive nature or it's all over the billboards you know you walk down there's, there's alcohol stores in the corner of every street corner nearly you know um, just having the ability to just not knock off work on Friday and oh yeah I'll just dip in and get a six pack of drinks you know just working on that habitual level stuff and that's kind of like now where I'm at with this injury I've got two ways that I can go. I can mope and I can um, use alcohol as a coping mechanism, which I've done in the past, but I've proven to myself that that's not gonna work. But what I have proven to myself is that if I have a goal, like what you mentioned, like an external factor, something to work forward to, is like that intrinsic motivation can actually help me um, move past this and get to a point where um, I would like to be able to go to uh, a bar and not order a drink and not feel inclined to and be able to say no to my friends and be able to like just not allow any contest to that. Yeah, yeah and I certainly encourage people to sort of explore the idea of not drinking mainly because of how it's benefited me in my, in my life now. And certainly I don't come up, you know, if pe everybody's got to make up their mind with their relationship with alcohol if they're drinking and I don't, I, I mean, I, I can't judge people for drink. Like I got no leg to stand on. It's just like, you could sit there and have a couple of drinks and be A-OK. -okay. It's just like, I, I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. So yeah. for people to sort of, if, oh, you know, I might have a couple of drinks. It's like, cool. But you know, I've made the decision to myself and I've done yeah, the practice of just saying no, if it gets offered to me, because for a long time, yeah, that petrified me being offered drinks and not being thinking, telling myself that I don't know if I'll be able to say no. 
but it is just getting out and practicing and just yeah it's just setting firm boundaries it's like i'm not going to drink they offer it to you just say no thanks and yeah it's just um and yeah if you if you do slip up it's okay you can try again tomorrow it's all you know just um yeah just it's it's depends on how how wild the night is i guess as well yeah Yeah, i agree completely like you say will just yeah set set firm boundaries and 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 you can achieve it there's non-alcoholic beers and like will has vodka no not vodka not vodka vodka. um soda and lime yeah soda water and lime soda water and lime yeah last of lime and soda somehow vodka some sometimes gets pulled out yeah it happened once yep Um, yeah and I, I actually saw a um, a TikTok recently with Stevo, um, and he was talking because he's been sober for quite a while, and he had a big problem with alcohol. And um, he said something along the lines of, "He feels sorry for people that are sort of in the yo-yo, like I guess I was, and sounds like you're going through, and they go through it their whole life, and because of that, it kind of holds them back from achieving their full potential." Um, whereas Steve-O, you know, he hit really rock bottom, so he had no choice but to get sober. And so now he's been sober a long time and he talks about how great his life is and he's like, it's it's, um, it's really made him as good as he is and it's every facet of his life's improved. And that, yeah, if you can get, if you get stuck in the yo-yo too long, it can, it can sort of take control and, and yeah, that's, that's probably something to just be aware of and that I think about and that resonated with me. Yeah, it's like... I guess because that, that that sentiment of him saying just like he went full fucking drove the tr- drove the car hundred miles an hour sort of with his addiction and I mean that's what I did so I kind of get it's like yeah I went to the dark place in order to then come to the come to the light but yeah a lot of people if it's just what they call like the gray area where they're just sort of teetering in the middle and they don't really sort of get to a point where it's they're just not entirely sh- it's just like oh it could be all right it might oh yeah. i don't know oh it's a little hungover oh well yeah i yelled at my auntie but you know she'll f- she'll forget yeah. about it or yeah. yeah it's like you don't have to go to a rehab facility to go sober and that's kind of my <laughs> advice to other people and that's what i've done you know like i didn't I, I like i wouldn't i wasn't a daily drinker for an extended period but I, i'm glad that i've gone sober and, and life gets a lot better so um on that note Unless you want to, do you have anything else you would like to ask Mr. Quinn, Mr. Hitchens? I think we'd finish up with how we usually finish up, Mitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like you it. Wanna, you want to lay the smack It's down. my favourite part. It's my favourite part. So, Mr. Quinn. Yes? Can you please share us a story if you're feeling comfortable? You've already shared a lot with us, might I say, and um, actually very grateful for how vulnerable you've been um, and just to see the raw emotion that, that you like we can really feel it in the room that yeah you've really opened up and um yeah you've actually been get to his kfc addiction well we didn't even get to that (laughs) but if you go to his tiktok you'll bloody find out (laughs) quinn flip it's well documented yeah we'll we'll put all his links um on our on our video but uh yeah quinn can you please share with us an embarrassing or the most embarrassing tale while you've been on the piss oh there's a lot (laughs) Um, you did hint that you might be asking me this question and I've been thinking about, um, been thinking about, uh, what I would say, but, um, the one that comes to mind was, uh, this night I was drinking gin and, um, yeah, you know, I was at a party and, uh, there was this 
pretty attractive girl and she, yeah, she thought I was a pretty attractive guy. So I was like, cool, you know, uh, just around the corner from here. And uh, yeah, so we got, got a taxi back to my place. And um, I remember, yeah, we get to the bedroom and um, I was just like, look, um, I just need to sleep. And um, yeah, then we can uh, take off where we left off. She's like, yeah, that's all cool. That's all cool. So I go to bed. And what I didn't realize is in the middle of my sleeping, I'd actually vomited to my oh, side. No. And so I come to it, it's like 5 a.m., you know, got that morning glow, oh. you know, as you do. Oh. And um, yeah, I would just start to initiate. She wakes up, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go. And um, yeah, uh, it's about 30 seconds in, and she's like, oh, what's going on? Why is the bed all wet? Oh, no. We were rolling around in my vomit. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. And, um, yeah, I didn't succeed. She was very much traumatized. I was very much traumatized. And um, Imagine if she was into it. <laughs> How did you know? How did you know? Oh, well, I didn't even know. It was news to me. It was, it was like, a, like a sleep vom. Yeah. Um, Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks, Quinn. Very welcome. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on and sharing that wonderful yarn. I remember having one of those. I remember, I remember, like I I was passed out of my bed or something. And my dad came in my room and then he just he's like, "What's that on the floor?" And I just rolled over and there's just a big pile of vomit on the floor. It's just like that's vomit, and I just went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, uh, see you later. <laughs> uh, what, what great specimens we are. Yeah, I mean. Fine, fine stallions of yes. <laughs> of, of the uh, the liquid courage. Yep. Well, thank you for joining us, Quinn. No uh, problem. Uh, it was a real good yarn we've had yep. today. Um, that's Last Drinks. I'm Will Hitchens. This is Mitchell Ford, and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye.